The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to Ye Old Show, episode 797 of I Doubted Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by your host, the lovely, the talented, and indeed the, the scholarly Brittany Page, everybody. Oh my God, it's been so long since we <laughs> were recording a show. Do you mean seconds? It's been a long time. It's been less than a minute. <laughs> Honestly, we should have just done like one extra long episode and put everything into one because it does it really matter i don't know <laughs> i'm too frazzled to know whether it matters and i don't want that, that that wait i don't want that that's a that's a that's a lot of responsibility on my my little slight shoulders mm. to determine whether or not whatever the thing you said so <laughs> I'm already I'm already past it. Okay, well good. So, uh, as we mentioned on the previous episode, we are preparing to travel to North Carolina for previous guest of the show, Ryan Bell's wedding. Friend of the show, Ryan Bell. Yes, is getting married this weekend in North Carolina, so we are traveling there. So, it's been pretty hectic trying to organize the videos on the channel for the next week, ensuring that we're recording the shows for the week. Uh, ensuring that Sweepy is taken care of and that she's going to have care while we are gone. I don't think she cares right now. Look at that beautiful dog over there. She is just fucking PFO. She is. And she is. Pass the fuck out. She's a beautiful doll that we love. Yes. Very much. Even when she is a dirty, filthy terrorist. She loves to bite us. Yeah, I look like. I look like uh, I've been attacked by, by, by like wolves or something on my arms, like yeah. little puppy wolves, I guess, because they're not like gashes. Did you hear? Okay, there's a wild fox, not the Capitol Hill fox that bit everyone and had rabies. <laughs> bit everyone. Did you? There's another fox. There's a wild fox that killed 25 flamingos and a duck at the National Zoo. Oh, you yes. Yes, you mentioned something about a fox. I didn't know that it, there was that much carnage. Name those numbers again. 25 flamingos <laughs> and one duck. Was he just like in a in a fucking crazed, oh, this fuck, I, I, I gotta get it done. The fox just went wild. Again, this is the second fox attack that I've read about in the past month. Just in D.C. What is going on? That's crazy. Now I'm terrified of foxes. Add them to the list. Well, I mean, you know, who doesn't want to kill a fucking flamingo? What? 
those arrogant pricks standing on one leg. <laughs> Impeccable balance. Just putting it right in my face that I can't balance like that. Yeah. It's I, egregious. There's it's also a, a wild turkey that is taunting and attacking Yes, people. that's another thing. Yeah. Right here in the a wild turkey yeah. is on the fucking march attacking people. Exactly. And who knew when we moved to Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. I know Ben in Tennessee is going to lose his fucking mind right What do you mean you didn't know there's going to be wild turkeys attacking people? That's just what happens, bro. I'm very offended by your insensitivity about the wild turkeys. He doesn't even have an accent like that, but, you know, Tennessee. You're very uncomfortable, Brittany Page. I'm not uncomfortable. I'm just, of course, that happens. Of course you're doing that. Of course you are. Uh, anyway, yeah. it's a it's a wildlife menagerie of of horror here yeah. in the city yeah. of Washington in the District of Columbia. Yeah, rabid foxes on Capitol Hill just just snacking on ra- randos. Mm-hmm. It's crazy <laughs> snacking on randos. All right, that's, that's what's going on. Yeah, well, we didn't even talk about that. There was a fox mm-hmm. that was just randomly biting. They were like, "Oh, look at the cute little doggy!" Chomp. Yeah. Or, but then they found out that it was rabid, and then they had to fucking put it down. Yes. Trap it and kill the fuck out of it. Yes. And people were outraged. Well, but what I, are you going to put it on on a rabies island? What are you going to do with the rabid fox? Yeah, I don't have any sympathy for the fox. I mean, I know that's not surprising, but I don't. <laughs> I don't feel bad for it. <laughs> you know what I just learned? What? Things I learned from TikTok today on I Doubted Podcast. Uh-huh. That possums. Oh, great. Opossums. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I want to categorize it as rarely, but they're not as readily able to contract and, and hold rabies in their body. Oh. Because their body temperature is so fucking low. Huh. That it can't incubate or whatever the vi- the 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 virus the the rabies virus. So did you learn this from an expert on TikTok? Is yeah, this... he's an animal control guy. Okay, he's not just like somebody doing the stupid dance and like. Oh, by the way, here's a little fact about possums. I mean, I thought that was possible, <laughs> and then you're just telling us all about that, which would be horrifying. And but... also mm-hmm. that they are like they are pest control animals. They eat rats. Mm. They eat vermin. They eat insects. Yeah, they look like they do. They're like the goat of the mammal world, which doesn't really make sense because goats are also mammals. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, I actually learned that squirrels are in the same category that they... As rats. No, they often don't have rabies, or they often don't carry rabies. Oh, right. It's 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 not common for them to to be rabid. Yes, and the reason that I know this <laughs> is because I googled it after a squirrel charged my ass, went after me, in the yard. Yeah, with Sweepy in the yard. Absolutely, C- came after me straight up. And it was horrifying. And afterward, I was like, oh, shit. I wonder if they have rabies. Because it was not scared of me. And it then, was- of course, you just Googled, did that squirrel named Jerry, who attacked me in the lawn, have rabies? Yeah. Well, there's been a lot of Googling lately. Because also, <laughs> you know, Sweepy was sleeping a lot the other day. A lot. Uncharacteristically, a lot. Like, and- far lower levels of terrorism than normal. Yeah, I was con- I was concerned, so I'm Googling, and it's really nice Google, that- Google, why is my puppy not a terrorist? Well, it's nice that for dogs, 
not everything leads to cancer online. Like, that's what I learned. Is Unlike that, when you Google about yourself. Yeah, like you're automatically headache, cancer, <laughs> hip pain, cancer. I didn't sleep very well last night. Cancer. Yeah, everything, <laughs> all roads lead to cancer, unfortunately. At least it's not feline AIDS, right, not Debbie with, Downer? Not with dogs, thankfully. Well, what is it? Like, what is the, the common path? Where well, the, the water rolling there downhill. There was none. There was none. Oh, but wow. for, like, sleeping too much, it said that um, it's likely when they are growing a lot as puppies or when they're entering a new stage of development, which she did this week. She's now a pre-adolescent. So, That's right. So she's doing pre-adolescent behaviors and sleeping a lot. <laughs> is that what it was like for you as a pre-adolescent? Probably as an that. Into adulthood, you 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 were fond of sleeping. Into so. adulthood, I slept a lot. Yeah, sometimes yeah. people in my life were concerned that I was having a major depressive episode. But it was just tiredness. I just love to sleep. You do love to sleep. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fantastic. All right, let's let's get on with this big big show. We got a lot to cover. Last time on the show. You know, 10 we, minutes ago. Yeah, Last time on the show. Well, not for them. It's not 10 minutes ago. For us, it's 10 minutes. It's like a time warp. Okay. Last time on the show, we covered all of the news related to the, the, uh, the, the abortion overturning in the, the revealed draft verdict from Samuel Alito. And we have some abortion news here. Yes, with Ohio State Republican lawmaker Gene Schmidt who suggested that pregnancy can actually be an opportunity for women and girls who are raped. Rape is a difficult issue, and it emotionally scars the individual, all or in part, for the rest of their life, just as child abuse does. Mm. But if a baby is created, it is a human life. And whether that mother ends that pregnancy or not, the scars will not go away, period. It is a shame that it happens, but there's an opportunity for that woman, no matter how young or old she is, to make a determination about what she's going to do to help that life be a productive human being. She can choose to raise the child, she can choose to give that child to a loving family member or to give it to someone else. And that child can grow up and be something magnificent, a wonderful family person, a cure cancer, etc. This is not about keeping abortion alive. This is about keeping the mother alive. And just because you have emotional scars doesn't give you the right, right to take the life. So these are the people that want to be making abortion legislation in this country. People who argue that pregnancy can be an opportunity following a rape, which is not up to her to decide. Right. Also, the same people who, again, w will, will bristle at the prospect of increasing food stamp benefits for poor people or, or any other of a panoply of of social social uh, safety net programs for people 
who often make this healthcare decision, this reproductive healthcare decision, based on their situation in life at the moment. Well, it's also phrasing it that the victim of a sexual assault then needs to, quote, make a determination about what she's going to do to help that life be a productive human being. Right. When this this was something that was done to the victim. Right. Carrying the baby of the rapist. And then they need to make a determination of how they're going to help the person be a productive human being. Why should that be put on a victim of a crime? Yeah. Why is this person, What? who put this in her mind? Well, it's societal instituted further victimization after an egregious um, being made a victim. Well, and of course, this is a line of thinking that we've heard from anti-abortion activists for a long time, right? What if you have an abortion and that person was the person that would cure cancer? I know, right? What if they invent the warp drive? I mean, goddamn. How many inventions or medical miracles have been missed because uh, of an aborted uh, flap of skin inside of a woman? Well, it's also not not the best argument when someone can just say, well, like, what if they are like the next Charles Manson? I mean, really it's a roll of the dice. We don't know. <laughs> you know what? It is a roll of the dice. So. How many, how many serial killers are there and how many people have cured cancer? <laughs> I mean, let, let's look at the, let's crunch the numbers. There've been far more serial killers than, than curers of cancer. Yeah, so maybe it's not really a roll of the really dice. Because really we're, we're looking at zero curers of cancer and hundreds of serial killers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's a real opportunity, all right. Good job, Gene Smith. Why was she not asshole of today? Well, because that's already taken. Uh, it is already taken. So continuing on the on the conservative... Listen, th- this, this last month or two has been just culture war nonsense wall-to-wall. And it needs to be covered because it's important. We talked about it many times that it's, if it was just to try to gin up fundraising or to try to get votes, it'd be one thing, but they're actually doing damaging thing. It's a regressive, it's a regression. They want to make America great again when they thought America was great, which is 1950. And Ron DeSantis is uh, at it again. One of the things that really bugged me were these Zoom videos with all these people that are high up in Disney talking about how it was their intention to inject sexuality into the programming for these very young kids. And so my wife and I, you know, we're thinking to ourselves, you know, when we were young, you could watch cartoons without having to worry. Now parents have to sit there and worry about what are they trying to inject in? What type of ideology are they trying to pursue? And that is wrong. (laughs) I mean, this is absurd because I loved The Simpsons as a kid. Loved The Simpsons. And my brother and I would watch it all the time. And my aunt was very concerned about us watching The Simpsons. My aunt, who is a... Republican Christian woman. Trump supporter. And she was very concerned about us watching The Simpsons, even though in our household, like we were being taught that the Holocaust didn't happen and that Hitler is someone to revere. And she was just afraid you'd be walking around saying I caramba or something, right? I mean, it, <laughs> in the scheme of things, 
The Simpsons was actually very beneficial for us. The, the Simpsons, I mean, other than Homer, like, ah, wringing his little neck, it's no. a wholesome show. Well, no, even that made us feel less alone about our experiences at home. You know, it's like, I saw myself on the screen. It right, was nice. Right, right. It was a nice feeling. Right. You know, I felt represented. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was a wholesome show. I I mean, wholesome means different things to different people. Well, I mean... <laughs> There's like a the 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 family dynamic. There are moments we've watched a Simpsons clip where where we cry. Like oh, absolutely. Where 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 Marge is telling her, just go in there and put on a smile. Just Tell whatever Lisa. to be popular. Yeah. And then she witnesses we Lisa be bullied. She's like, what the fuck? And her like inner mom ah, rages, and she that's that's an emotional scene. Yeah. There's many I'm emotional really fucking scenes. it up by how I'm explaining it, but. There's many emotional scenes in the show, and The Simpsons is definitely good. I would say I wouldn't call it wholesome, but again, I think that our definitions of wholesome can vary. And I had a friend who once uh, asked me to kind of screen this movie in advance, and because uh, she doesn't like to watch films with like cursing and, Mormon. Mormon. and things in it. And so I I watched the movie and I came out of it. I'm like, oh yeah, there's there's no cussing. There's nothing bad in that. And then she watches- What movie was it? I don't remember, but oh. she watches it and she's like 10 minutes in and she's like, I had to turn that movie off. Like it's so inappropriate just in the first 10 minutes. I couldn't even finish it. I had no idea. It was like sex or something. Everything right? went over my head. No, it, they were saying fuck, but I didn't register it. You know, they I'm, talk like people talk. Yeah, I'm like that's fine. <laughs> nothing, nothing really bad happened there. Well, no one was getting sawed in half. I mean, I don't know. What is what does Ron DeSantis think is going on in Disney movies? I mean, seriously, even modern Disney what what horrors are being visited upon children in modern Disney movies? Again, it is. It is G-rated, wholesome content for the development of kids. Yeah, well, I mean, these are the same people that if they see a gay relationship represented on screen, automatically think it's obscene, despite the fact that you have historically been showing small children romantic relationships in Disney movies on an ongoing basis. In all movies. So if you have an objection to a male-male relationship in a Disney movie, for example, then that just shows your objection to the LGBTQ community rather than your objection to like kids seeing a sexual relationship on screen. Yeah, It's not about sexualizing children and and introducing them to sexual themes because if... If you have a your teacher talk about her husband, then that's the same thing they would object to if a a male teacher talked about his husband. Well, Prince Charming would have been banned a long time ago if they were worried about the sexual relationship exposure of young children. I don't get the reference. You don't understand uh, Disney princesses and how they typically have like the Prince Charming and the prince always comes to the princess. Oh, I thought- and- isn't Prince Charming like an actual title of a movie? I, oh, that's with that Je- Je- Jeffrey Marsden? I have no idea. Yeah, I'm all fucked up. Sounds like you are more invested in the Disney movies. Maybe, yeah. I'm than a Disney I ever file. Was. I'm a Disney file. <laughs> Big so, fan. So, <laughs> so, anyway, we'd love to know, continuing to cover these things, what do you think? 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. All right, moving on. 
I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast. We would like to thank our new Patreon supporters, Joshua B. Joshua B. David T. David T. And then a special shout out to Rachel A. Rachel A. Rachel A. became an annual Patreon supporter. So great. Which is an option for you as well. You don't have to, but it is an option available to you if you would prefer it. And you get 10% off of your price on Patreon if you do become an annual member. We loved having the monthly zoom call last month last week we had to do it kind outside. of a shit show <laughs> it was a little strange the power was going to be turned off temporarily it got pushed out anyway it, we all survived it's all it's all a, der- it's a, a der- derivative of uh when we had the jackhammer episode they're still dealing with something out front and yeah you know we're Deal with some problems. Right. So we will have another Zoom hangout in the month of May, and we are excited for that. So become a Patreon supporter if you would like to join in on that. And uh, thank you very much for your support. We could not do it without you. Dalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So we may finally see from President Joe Biden what we have been wanting to see from President Joe Biden. No, I'm not talking about uh, putting an end to the filibuster. We haven't heard anything on that yet. It is the 3rd of May. Maybe something will break tomorrow. We can only hope. (laughs) But apparently Joe Biden... Don't hold your fucking breath. According to new reporting from CNN, he is getting frustrated and he is beginning Mm. to lean into the fact that he needs to go on the attack against Republicans in the midterms and into 2024. Now, this is strange that this is somehow a revelation. Right. I I mean, how long is he into his presidency that now he's just starting to figure out that, wait a minute, they're not being very cooperative. Here's what the reporting says. Quote, Biden is frustrated that journalists aren't calling out Republicans for, as he sees it, giving up their principles in pursuit of power, according to a dozen people familiar with the president and his inner circle. He's eager to unleash on the GOP ahead of the midterm elections. Oh, he's going to unleash. But worries that doing so could endanger his last remaining hopes for bipartisan legislative wins. Uh, hang on one second. This just in, we have audio... Of, of Joe Biden unleashing on uh, Republicans. How dare you, sir? <laughs> oh wow, that is that is exclusive. Oh, <laughs> but again, this fear of of uh, his last remaining hopes for bipartisan legislative wins. What are you talking about? Why do you still have hopes of bipartisan legislative wins? What is that? Where is that coming from? I have no idea. How has that gone? You can't even get Joe Manchin to cooperate. Right. With... Your own party. So what are you talking about? Bipartisan legislative wins. Can you work on just Joe Manchin at this point? He's I... still holding out hope with his fingers crossed that he's going to get Mitch McConnell to jump on board with his agenda. I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I, mean, what, I mean, seriously, and seriously, is it naivete? Is it... Is it uh, gullibility? Is it this strange adherence to 
to nostalgic memories of his of its past. I mean, what the what is it? Mm-hmm. I, I guess that's maybe that's a question for the audience. Yeah, six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Email voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore dot com. Well, on that topic of Mitch McConnell. I want to talk about the book that just came out with Jonathan, or written by Jonathan Martin from the New York Times yeah. and Alex Burns from the New York Times, you know, withholding important reporting to sell their book. By the way, I so was don't watching. don't buy it. We'll talk about it, but don't buy it. I was watching CNN the other day and I, I, I didn't, uh, there was, it's not something they put on YouTube, so it's harder to get the clips, but they, he was like completely poo-pooing any criticism whatsoever. People just don't understand about reporting for a book. It's like, no, dude, you have the information that's important for the public welfare, and you fucking held on to it for over a year until you published the book. Fuck off. Well, so according to what they wrote in the book, Mitch McConnell confided to a friend last year that he was concerned about Biden's child tax credit. And this is what they write in the book. Talking to a friend a few weeks after Biden signed the rescue bill into law, McConnell confided that he was deeply concerned that the Democratic legislation could have far-reaching effects on the country that would make it hard for Republicans to undo benefits like the child tax credit, even if they retook Congress in 2022. If Americans grew used to the benefits in the new law, he suggested, it would become politically untenable for Republicans to repeal its most popular measures. The country, McConnell lamented, might cross a point of no return toward becoming a European-style social welfare state, exactly the outcome he had spent his career arguing against. This really shows Mitch McConnell's hand and the Republican Party that they have fears that if the Democratic Party starts doing what it needs to do to provide for people in this country, that Republicans will not have power. Yeah. And what is strange to me is the they'll become a European style social blah, 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 blah. You mean they're vibrant economies? It's not like they're in ruin. They're. In fact, they're in in lesser debt than we are. Their situation is not as dire as our situation. And Republicans still act like we're on top of the world. And it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and while we're on this topic uh, of things that the Republicans might fear, student loans. Oh, yeah. Okay. Student loans. Give me another thing to bitch about. Come on. Well, no, because this is something, what I'm saying is if Mitch McConnell has these fears about the Democratic Party enacting policies that provide for the American people. Can I finish? Then why would Joe Biden not do the full 50000 or whatever that was originally thought about and say, well, we're probably going to do something like $10,000 because I don't want to anger Republicans. Right. Well, he hasn't put out a firm number yet. So that's that's the important thing. He has said... No, I'm not going to do 50,000. <laughs> Unfortunately, he has said that. He did float 10,000 early on, and they are looking at doing an income cap. So that would look like earners under 125 to 150k for a single person. Yeah, individual earnings. Or 250 to 300k per couple mm-hmm. for the prior year. So it could be minimum starting at 10000 per borrower of debt forgiveness, but it may go up from there. They have not at all settled on a number or even on the income cap. 
Let me tell you, I know Republicans are afraid of it because I've seen time after time after time, instance after instance of Republicans trying to paint this as a a windfall for the rich. Like, oh, all the, they're going to oh, pay right. for all the rich people's student loans. Because, you know, the fabulously wealthy, they take out student loans to pay for their college. Makes a lot of sense. Fucking dum-dums. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is something that if the Democrats choose to actually put into place student loan forgiveness, student loan debt forgiveness. It could be a big win for Democrats. Absolutely. And it could show Republicans that they are losing power because of their terrible policies. It, It seems to me pretty basic, pretty elementary, that if you find out the secret machinations or fears of Mitch McConnell... That's the direction you go. You attack the thing he's most afraid of. You do the thing he's most worried about. Well, if a frustrated Joe Biden is ready to go on the attack, this is the perfect time. I just, I don't know that he's... You don't think he's ready to attack? (laughs) I don't know that he has it in him. There's too much obsequiousness. There's too much... Uh, deference to Republicans and what they might think or how they're going to categorize things. That's why there's been no prosecutions of anybody of note relative to the insurrection yet. And we're over a year out. Mm-hmm. We're still in the investigative phase. I mean, come come the fuck on. Well, also Biden's frustration with journalists not calling out Republicans. <laughs> Again, All like, right. You're making pa- me do it? Come on, guys. Yeah, passing that responsibility to someone else. I mean, you're the leader. You're the leader of the party. You need to be the one that is highlighting the differences between the Democrats and the Republicans. And you need to have better policies to actually make a meaningful difference in people's lives so that they feel compelled to vote for you and to come out and support you. And this is a guy who wants to run for president again. Yeah. I mean... Yes. This is the octogenarian who wants to... he's He's the male version of Diane Feinstein, or yeah. very well could be. Yeah, so let's hope for the best. Let's hope that President Joe Biden is ready to go on the attack <laughs> and that we will shortly be seeing a different President Joe Biden. That's just my negativity. What sound, does the audience think? Off. Yeah, what do you think? I, listen, I would like a varied set of responses from both like diehard Biden people, like kind of center of the road Democrats, and then also progressives. Um, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. It's the asshole of today. Kirk Cameron. I'm so excited. I think Kirk Cameron has been uh, in this segment before. Or at least Ray Comfort. You know, when they were in their little partnership. But very likely. Yeah, well, he has a new movie coming out. Oh, fantastic. This is kind of on theme with the previous Ron DeSantis discussion about cartoons. You know, everyone is freaking out about what children are being taught right now. 
And Kirk Cameron. What? You're teaching history? What? Things that actually happened in America? Oh, be still my heart. Kirk Cameron, an actor, but also a famous Christian nationalist activist, has a new movie coming out, and it is called Homeschool Awakening. And we're going to give you the title because we know you're going to go. I'm sure it's fantastic. You're going to go search for it. You're going to find out where it's being released. Who knows where it's being released? Maybe in the theaters, like God's Not Dead. Remember how popular God's Not Dead is? They're making like, it's the new Fast and Furious. They're making like 12 of them. <laughs> Are they keeping the same song though? I Do you remember the song for God's Not Dead? Oh, you, yeah. We, With the we, lion we, and the roaring. Oh, no, it's not lion. I think it's lion. It's the lion. God's Not Dead. He's surely alive. Is it rolling or ro- roaring? Roaring like a lion. Oh. Yeah. Roaring. I thought it was rolling like a lion. I think it's catchy as hell. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you. Listen, That's prick shit. you do too, because when I was creating the clip, you got up you and left shut the your room filthy mouth. because I kept playing it over and over again. She's not a Christian. Okay, so Kirk Cameron has this movie coming out, Cameron. Homeschool Awakening, and he, he did a little promotion for it, talking about what it is and what his mission is. Since the pandemic, we've been made grossly aware of the inaccurate and the immoral things that the public school system has been teaching our children and our grandchildren. And it's up to us as parents to cultivate the hearts and minds and souls of our children toward what is good, toward what is right, beautiful and true. And the public school system, unfortunately, has not been working with us, but actively working against us. In my opinion, the public school system has become public enemy number one. I think you need to see the movie because you may be wondering, what can I do about it? How can I be part of the solution? The Homeschool Awakening will give you answers. And I think America needs a film like this right now. We need to take back the education of our children because whoever controls the textbooks controls the future. Whoever's shaping the hearts and minds and souls of our children will determine whether or not we live in a free country. And we have freedom of speech. So, so I didn't mean to do that, we, but that is you, kind of you funny. You cut it off his freedom of speech. <laughs> so uh, when he talks about how parents need to cultivate cultivate the hearts and souls of their kids and their hearts, grandkids, minds and souls for the Jesus. It's a long way to say indoctrinate. I mean, That's they're exactly just right. indoctrinate your kids in the way that you want to indoctrinate them rather in the way that they're being taught in schools. I mean, we need to do it. Everything that's right, beautiful and true. Yeah. The man who campaigned and voted for Donald Trump is talking about what's right, beautiful and true relative to the hearts, minds and souls of the kids. Yeah. So I'm sure that Kirk Cameron's movie is going to do great. Again, Homeschool Awakening. I'm sure well, it's going to be. You're just plugging it. It's going to be like a uh, God's Not Dead He's surely series. alive. Yeah. They're going to make 12 of them. It's going to be great. I, and I, my prediction. Can I give my prediction? Yeah. This movie is going to be rolling like a lion. It's going to be so fucking <laughs> Do you good. see how catchy that is? Oh, yeah. You love it. That's fantastic. 
taking care of biz. Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah. This is the first time Trevor Noah has been taking care of biz. It might be the first time Trevor Noah's even been mentioned on the show. I think that's for, that's how I know it's the first time he's ever been taking care of biz because we don't often talk about Trevor Noah. Although Trevor Noah is awesome. I think he's fantastic as the host of The Daily Show, and I love his little segments he does where he takes questions from the audience during, like, commercial break, because he's really great on his feet, and... uh, He's usually sitting, but... Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, he hosted the White House Correspondents' Dinner, and, you know, Joe Biden got up there and did his little... Man. Uh you know, comedy routine. <laughs> I'll tell you what Joe Biden is not. Like, look, you can say a lot about Joe Biden. You can say a lot about Barack Obama. Joe Biden's not as funny as Barack Obama. Oh, yeah. He just doesn't. There is something special about being funny and, and knowing the timing. You know what I mean? And yeah. He, he, Joe Biden, he did okay. Yeah. You know, he did okay. No, I definitely, there were. Yeah, I wouldn't even say he fumbled through it. No, he did okay. There were several jokes that were funny. Did he write them? Fuck no. Probably but either not. did Obama. Yeah, probably it's not, not. like he's sitting at the Oval Office writing a tight five. No, I think he probably did. <laughs> so then Trevor Noah got up there, and, and he was fantastic. I think definitely one of my favorite White House Correspondents Dinner performances. And I go back and watch them fairly at, often. At least once a year, we go through... Earlier years. Yeah, I love Seth Meyers. Yeah. I love Stephen Colbert. I also love Michelle Wolf. Michelle you know, Wolf. That was the one with the smoky eye that that uh, with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Yeah, the last the last one. I mean, that's yeah, what yeah. they ended. Yeah. Like, it was a mic drop. You they, mean when, like, uh, Zeleny from CNN and, and so many of them were like, this is just inappropriate. We shouldn't be doing this. Like, it's some weird deference to Donald Trump's aversion to being made fun of. Yeah. And when Don- all presidents sit for it. And Donald Trump didn't appear. He didn't go to this, yeah. didn't want this to be a thing. And I think that that is a credit to Joe Biden. The ability to laugh at yourself, the ability to allow people to make fun of you. I think that that is a good quality in a person, suggests something very positive about your character. And Joe Biden was cracking up at Trevor Noah's jokes. Yes, for sure. Now, He's obviously taking care of biz because he did a great performance, but what really stood out to me was how Trevor Noah ended his performance, and it was on a very serious note, and it was reminding people in the audience how important their job actually is. And so as we sit in this room tonight, people, I really hope you all remember what the real purpose of this evening is. Yes, it's fun. Yes, we dress nice. Yes, the people eat, they drink, we have fun, but the reason we're here is to honor and celebrate the fourth estates and what you stand for, what you stand for, an additional check and balance that holds power to account and gives voice to those who otherwise wouldn't have one. And, and, and like, I'm not just talking about like CNN or Fox or any of the other major organizations. I'm talking about everyone, you know, the young journalists we saw today, You know, intrepid journalists who aren't even in this room in Flint, Michigan, or that daring reporter at the Des Moines Register, or the unflinching local newscaster in El Paso, Texas. Every single one of you, whether you like it or not, is a bastion of democracy. And if you ever begin to doubt your responsibilities, if you ever begin to doubt how meaningful it is, look no further than what's happening in Ukraine. Look at what's happening there. 
Journalists are risking and even losing their lives to show the world what's really happening. You realize how amazing it is. Like in America, you, you have the right to seek the truth and speak the truth, even if it makes people in power uncomfortable, even if it makes your viewers or your readers uncomfortable. You understand how amazing that is? I stood here tonight and I made fun of the President of the United States, and I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine, right? <laughs> like, do you, like, do you really understand what a blessing it is? Maybe it's happened for so long that you, it might slip your mind. It's a blessing. In fact, here, ask yourself this question. Honestly, ask yourself this question. If, if Russian journalists who are losing their livelihoods, as you were talking about, Steve, and their freedom for daring to report on what their own government is doing, if they had the freedom to write any words, to show any stories, or to ask any questions, if they had basically what you have, would they be using it in the same way that you do? Ask yourself that question every day because you have one of the most important roles in the world. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Please be careful leaving tonight. We all know this administration doesn't handle evacuations well. Good night, everybody. Thank you so much. Couldn't resist one last <laughs> zinger at the end there, but I think this is a good reminder for everyone in the room. because Journalists, the room filled with journalists. Yes, yeah. and, uh, you know, after Donald Trump, they think things are probably back to normal more normal than when donald trump was in office but their important role in our country continues and in seeking the truth and getting the information out to the people we continue to have progress that's how progress is made yeah i think um too often uh, members of the press forget that their occupation is the only job that's actually mentioned in the constitution as constitutionally protected and I hope that they, 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 they take it seriously. Like when we level criticisms at New York Times reporters or Washington Post reporters for that matter, sitting on very important information that could sway public opinion only to sell a book. And this is something that actually Trevor Noah digged on uh, in, in, in the course of his, his act. I hope they walk away with some self-reflection because their job is fucking important. It is in service to the American people, the world's people, to get to the truth, because we don't have access like they do, and they have a responsibility to do the right thing. Absolutely. A constitutionally protected responsibility. Absolutely. To do the right thing. So Trevor so good, Noah. Yeah, good for him. Taking care of biz for the reminder for journalists to do the right thing and keep fighting the good fight. And we would love for you to help us fight the good fight as well. Join us. You can uh, support the show on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Podcast. You can also sound off and give us your opinion about these and other matters. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone. Just go to your, your voice recording app, record a voice memo, and email it to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We will see you when we get back from North Carolina with a whole slate of shows next week, meaning episode 798 and 799, Brittany Page. Wow. 
Wow. We are on the precipice of our 800th episode of the little show that could. Well, and we got a special message from a listener for yes. our eight, 800th episode, and we are not going to talk about that message yet because we're saving it for the 800th It episode. might just be the intro. Yeah. We might just make it the intro. It's fucking so great. Awesome. Very, very great. Yeah. Anyway, we love you guys. We will see you next time. Until we do, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, as you probably know. We'll see you next time. This has been I Doubt.